the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to hour two of tonight's Andrea K show. All right, I've got some fun clips to share with you guys tonight about Joe Biden. You know, last hour um, we were uh, playing a clip from the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Oh, by the way, I forgot to bring bring in this man, my buddy, my partner. Both hours of every night here. So for hour two, I might as well bring him back in and re-welcome him to the show. It's DJ Skins. DJ Potato Skins. Get him out of here. Before the break, I got it, or during the break, Skins and I got into a discussion at one point during the show. Because I was like, I was telling him up on the monitors, there is the, the screen is frozen. I don't know what station this is. I don't know what restaurant this is. It says new 70th anniversary pancakes starting at five ninety nine. And I told Skins, this is killing me. <laughs> it's still stuck. It's still stuck. No, I won't it pancake. looks like a big donut. Um, it looks from the it looks like a big funfetti donut with frosting on the top. And it's killing me. I'm like dying here. So Skins and I had a discussion and, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, should we share what we both agree on, which are actually could be controversial, what we think are actually really good pancakes. I have for years thought about this, no matter how many different breakfast places I try, even if I like a certain breakfast establishment more, nobody does pancakes better than Denny's. I got to say, I love a good Denny's Grand Slam. I think, I don't know if they put a little vanilla in the pancake batter. They're light. They're fluffy. They smell completely yummy. They got good butter, too. Oh, with a butter that's get, that's all whipped and it gets all melty. Because is there anything worse than you get a hot stack of pancakes come out and they put a freezing cold pat of butter on the top of it? I'm going to tell you, it what's doesn't melt. changing You get your Grand Slam, Andrea. Yeah. And then you stuff the pancakes and fold it like a breakfast taco. Oh, that sounds really good. It's messy, good. but it's good. Yeah. You know what's also good, too? The, here's a tip for y'all. When it comes to uh, what, instead of blueberries, sometimes with blueberries, I like bananas put inside the mix. Hat tip. Yeah, I've tried that before. It's pretty good. You sounded a little lukewarm on that. No, I did, I'm because I That's generally genius, don't like by the fruit way. with my pancakes. I like, I'm not a big cold fruit on top. Um, I like it cooked inside. Um, uh, all right. So can y'all tell I'm hungry, by the way? Do you disagree with us? Who do you think, especially if you're in San Diego, if you want to weigh in on who you think has the best pancakes, I'm open. 888-344-1170. Yeah. You know what? I wasn't going to play this clip, but now I might. 
I saw this today. <laughs> I had to send it for us to play tonight. It's a Starbucks worker who actually went and did a video claiming that he's been discriminated against because he was told he stinks. <laughs> Clip 14. It's, it's very upsetting how uh, everyone on the floor today could not discern a smell coming from Jade. And uh, we've written things out to that effect. And uh, when it comes time to ask our boss to do the same, uh, to say why she's being sent home and to put it in writing, could not do it, would not do it. And I am very upset. I, during the time where I was back on the floor and trying to perform work again, I was beside myself with embarrassment and and. I couldn't focus on what I was doing because I've never felt so demeaned or or condescended to um, and just made to feel less than and all under the guise of trying to support me. Um, I, I am immensely disappointed in the the treatment that I've that I've been subjected to today and over the period of time that i've worked at starbucks overall um i just i'm very i'm very upset okay by the way there was actually additional clips so uh, the the one person who was with him actually says that he was brought to in to be a witness because that's what happens with hr right if they need to bring you in in most respectable outlets if somebody and I, I i had to do this many times when i was a manager if i had to address an issue with a with an employee i would bring somebody in with me for the meeting to be a witness <clears throat> because people are so litigious they'll claim that you know i said anything right and so this that so this there's a guy with him and by the way this is a transgender this is a biological male who calls himself jade that's who the she is so that's the game here is <clears throat> this is uh the, the so this person was brought in and basically the manager said dude not dude i don't know what they said but you stink you smell we've you know yesterday you smelled today i you smell like sweat and this person even said in another clip, I was brought into the back <clears throat> with, by the manager who said that there were reports the day before of me having an odor. And the manager was saying <laughs> that I smelled like sweat and offered me some deodorant. And I said, no, I don't think I smell. So I'm not going to take your deodorant. And I went back to work. Um, okay, so let's think about this for a moment. First of all. Would you ever, you are a person of dignity skins. We've all worked out. We've, you know, at all to, I had deodorant failure one time at an amusement park and thought I was going to lose my mind. Okay. And I've been in the bat. I was in the bathroom every five minutes washing my pits because you know what? Every human being can create an odor if you get sweaty at some point, right? You should be glad if somebody respectfully brings you in and says, you know, I got to let you know, you know, we got a problem. It's kind of like, you know, your friends you hope are going to tell you if you've got spinach in your teeth, right? I mean, that's somebody doing right by you to do that. And by the way, when you're working in a public place and you're serving the public and you get complaints about a worker with a body odor, you've got the right to say something, right, Skins? You're dealing with the public. They don't want to be smelling anybody right 
But and if if any if anybody had ever said this to me in a workplace, which I have never, and I used to, I I was nicknamed Queen Bee one time because I worked at at this station, the B station, from five p.m. to midnight for seven hours straight on my feet, and it would get super crowded in August in Baton Rouge, even with AC, it gets hot and sweaty. I've never had anybody tell me I had an odor problem, but you know what? If I did. I would have said, thank you for bringing that to my attention. Maybe you didn't notice. Well, because you don't. Nobody really does. Nobody can smell themselves, right? A fox can't smell his own hole, right? It's- I mean, sometimes, you know, like you said, if you come in from the gym and you rush in here and there, sometimes it just happens. Right. You know, and so, you know, it, it, um, but for this person, I, I would have never done a video talking about the fact that I was called into my boss's hotter office because of B.O. I mean, what kind of idiot does this? Starbucks hired this person. They're, and by the way, it's not discrimination when you are being subject subjected to the same HR policies that everybody else is being subjected to. And we've all been into Starbucks. I hardly ever go into one, but they will hire anybody. They don't care what your hair color is. They don't care how you're covered in tattoos. I'm quite frankly surprised they don't even have a problem with the BO. They're that kind of an or, you know a, a company. And of course, it's not like a law firm. So it doesn't matter if somebody's got piercings everywhere, right? So they're all about the diversity, equity, and inclusion. What we have here is same old tired, lame, liberal crap, which is they, you know, we used to call them snowflakes, but this is what happens when nobody is, is, you create a society and a culture where nobody gets, everything's about them and their feelings. Nobody can ever say anything negative. They can't take any criticism. They're supposed to be able to come and go as they please. They're entitled to do whatever they want. And anybody who says anything to them about anything or gives them any correction of any kind, they're now a victim and they deserve some kind kind of recompense for it and this has been brewing for decades and so i don't feel sorry for starbucks but i feel sorry for society um because we you know we're toast if we don't somehow get this toothpaste back in the tube and deal with this cultural crisis that we've got going on here and i think one of the things that we do is we stop calling biological men she Nothing galls me more than going on a conservative outlet or seeing a conservative outlet and them using feminine pronouns to describe a man. You're not helping anybody. We now have gone from transgenderism to transableism, where we have people putting bleach in their eyeballs because they have body integrity dysphoria now and they want to be, uh, they want to identify as handicapped. So they're literally handicapping themselves. We have gone off the rails mentally in this country. There's no compassion. Look at, look at it now. It's gone from, with this community, from uh, tolerance to validity to forced participation, and now we're going to punish you if you don't give us anything that we want. It's dangerous. This is how you ruin a nation. I guess, um, I was never, were you a big Kiss fan? Not really. I mean, I, I generally like the genre of music, but I never got into Kiss. I think there was... I think that I think I liked Beth. Beth, I hear you call. Is that is that how it goes? Um, so anytime there's a band that has w- only one song I like, I tend to not, you know, 
paid much attention to them. I think Kiss is one of only a handful of of legendary rock bands that I've never seen in my life because we have so much, so much access. We did um, to concerts when I was coming up. Day of Rock and Roll in New Orleans at the Superdome and LSU. If if it was a band that came through LSU back in the day, Kiss I never bothered to go see because I just really wasn't a fan of the music other than the song Beth. Beth. Um, but Paul Stanley who I think arguably is probably in all that crazy makeup, still the best looking of, of the, the bunch. He's in some trouble because he uh, issued a, quote, unprompted statement calling expression of gender identity among children a sad and dangerous fad. You know what's sad is when, is when somebody can't say that transgenderism of children is sad and dangerous. That's what's sad. Stanley, a.k.a. Starchild. I never knew that that was his nickname. Did you know that? I didn't know that either. Who, along with the rest of the Kiss, is known for for wearing platform heels, full makeup, and big teased hair on stage, seemed to to suggest, according to Yahoo.com Entertainment News, he seemed to suggest that adults are encouraging kids to take their experimentation with individual presentation beyond the innocence of what they are doing. He also appeared to erroneously conflate gender with sexual orientation, which develops separately, according to medical researchers. What medical researchers? AOC? Yes, adults are, are, quote, encouraging kids. Are you kidding? They're going to five-year-olds and saying, have you ever wanted to wear your sister's dress? Have you ever wanted to play with your sister's Barbie doll? Have you ever thought it'd be great to be a girl? You have? Here's some puberty blockers. They're not encouraging. They're indoctrinating, pressuring. It's, it's, it's the greatest human, you know, um, human rights abuse in history, in my opinion. We're going to take a break. We come back. We are going to finally talk about the good news that involved Kevin McCarthy today in the White House. Stay tuned. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Would you say, Skins, that you know a lot of soundtracks from movies? Um, I, with most of your classical scores, I know about 90 95% of them. Okay, I was going to hum a little song. That, it's here. actually my, my favorite genre of music. Okay, well, let me see if this is, if you know which movie this little song is from, this little ditty. It was a teenage wedding and the old folks wished them well. You could see the monsieur did truly love the mademoiselle. Yeah, that's why I said classical scores, so oh. I don't know. <laughs> if you guys know, I'm not going to tell you, 888-344-1170, 888-344-1170. Um, let's have a little fun at Joe Biden's expense, shall we? Uh, here was Joe Biden uh, speaking to the Air Force Falcons. Um, I'm not sure if this was um, this was at the White House, I guess. I thought maybe it was a graduation, but uh, for some reason, the Air Force Falcons were bought brought to the white house and he gave a speech and um to them and he, when he's i wish you guys could have seen i wish we could play the video because the look on the faces of these little air force dudes was pretty funny clip 16 and you wouldn't want to screw around with me if you had your uniform on i don't think but uh i'd also like to i also like to welcome the chief of staff of the air force they were like what 
He turns around and looks at him. You wouldn't want to screw around with me with your uniform on. And you wouldn't want to screw around with me if you had your uniform on, I don't think. Huh? Say what? I mean, it, and he doesn't even say it like it's a joke. I'd like, I, you know, is it some kind of like, it, did he think that he was talking to a bunch of corn pops? I don't even understand. But my favorite clip, I can't seem to find it here, but I'm sure you know where it is, is Joe Biden. I don't even know who he was talking to here. He decides to start talking about bas- basketball and Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> Abdul-Jabbar. Please play. Muslim culture is woven throughout the American culture, music, film, literature, fashion, and the arts. And the cheer for Muslim, we cheer for Muslim athletes like Kareem (laughs) Abdul-Jabbar. I know him, and I mispronounce his name. But he calls me Joe Biden once in a while. Oh, please. Remains. See, they were actually laughing when he was struggling to come up with a name. Um, what do you think about it? I, you know, I just I giggled so much when I heard the clip earlier. <laughs> um, but now listening it back, it was I don't know. Is it Ramadan right now? I don't know why he was doing some Muslim thing, but he's talking about um, Muslim culture being interwoven with ours. Do, can you think of an example? He's talking about arts and entertainment and movies. Can you think of a Muslim movie that's intertwined with ours? Not particularly. Can you think? Can you guys think of any any combination of american and muslim culture that i can think of i mean you know you can't uh we had an art event in texas where uh somebody showed up to to slaughter an artist because there was going to be a cartoon against muhammad you're not allowed to make fun of muhammad um i mean i, I get plenty of christian ones but yeah, I mean, I guess you could say the Sex in the City movie, the second Sex in the City movie, the gals went over to Abu Dhabi and Samantha got arrested because her top accidentally fell down and she couldn't eat, she couldn't uh, take her female hormones. I guess if you I guess if you want to say the Muslims were represented there, they kind of were, right? Um, but just that kind of pandering is so despicable. Um, our, our founders envisioned that people would come here and immigrate and assimilate. And I have yet to see a blending of Muslim and American culture. I could be wrong. I'm open to somebody showing me where that is. I don't see it anywhere. Because, the, because and Trump was the first president to be bold enough to say it, that there's a cultural divide there. There's a cultural clash in many ways that between, you know, think about the image of the woman in a in a, a a burqa swimsuit, if you will, on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you know I can't think of uh, you know they um, are we going to have a movie celebrating Sharia where women get stoned to death for being raped? I mean, how, how do you how do you you know merge the culture where women have to cover their heads? You know, it's August because there's a lot of differences. Yeah, I mean, there's just, I mean, you you know, one way to look at it is America versus Iran. You see anything similar there? Watch the movie Not Without My Daughter. There's no similarities. So, uh, you know, it's just this kind of pandering. You know, if you want to say, come to this country and we welcome you, come here legally and we welcome you here, uh, learn our culture, learn our language and assimilate, you know, I, I mean, I, I, you know, fine. And I actually, that's one thing. But don't be trying to lie. That's like Obama did. Obama tried to claim that, you know, uh, that, we, you know, Muslim Americans built this country. No, they absolutely didn't. 
They didn't build this country. You can come here and help support it if you want to come here in the right way and do the right things and, and assimilate into our culture. But by and large, uh, the Muslim immigrants into this country want to change us. Look at Ilhan Omar. You know, they, she was brought here as a refugee and managed to make her way in spite of breaking the immigration laws, claiming marrying her brother to break immigration laws. She's made it into the House of Representatives. And is do, doing everything that she can to change us, to uh, undercut our constitution, and and embrace the very tyr- the very types of tyranny, some of the types of tyranny from her homeland. Case in point, here's what she had to say about Speaker McCarthy, clip eight. McCarthy, I think, is struggling in what it means to be a leader. Most of us knew that he was uh, a coward uh, and would try to sort of give everybody whatever it is they were asking for uh, because he doesn't have a backbone. He doesn't really have, um, you know, policy chops. He's not known uh, for having policy ideas that people can coalesce around. He is no Nancy Pelosi, so we're uh, able to actually see him uh, put that in front of the American people in a very uh, chaotic um, and comedic way. You know, Andrea, I'm not a big McCarthy fan, but let me just say, thank God he's not Nancy Pelosi. Right. And by the way, how dumb is this broad? In this interview, is her headscarf wrapped too tight? Earrings pinching? I've had earrings pinch many, many a day. They were pinching me today, by the way. That's the dumbest thing she could have possibly said. When did she say this? She said this today. Well, guess what else happened today? Last week, the House of Representatives passed the debt ceiling bill. And I'm not a fan of it. But you know who actually is a fan of it? Stephen Moore. I'm not a fan. Of, and, and I'm with Congressman Biggs. I mean, it's basically it's 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 not really solving the problem. We're still going off the cliff. It's, but it's 60 miles an hour instead of 90 miles per hour. But let me tell you. First of all, he's not a coward. He said to Joe Biden, you know, you're going to have to work with me because I'm not just going to raise the debt ceiling and just give you a blank check to do whatever you want to do. He got a bill passed at the House of Representatives that actually cuts the debt by $4 trillion. May not mean, you know, over time. May not, that may not sound like much, but it's a win. It cuts a lot of spending. Well, the Joe Biden and uh, KGP actually said, I think it was Thursday or, t- or maybe even as soon as this morning, it said, no deal, no deal. Joe Biden's not going to negotiate. Uh, you know, the, the Republicans have to do whatever we want. Well, you know what? The White House has caved. Uh, looks like Ilhan Omar, you're as dumb as you look. Uh, Kevin McCarthy um, got a call from Joe Biden asking for Kevin McCarthy to negotiate the debt limit. While traveling in Israel, McCarthy received a call from Biden to schedule a meeting to negotiate raising the debt limit after days of stonewalling tactics. This according to Punchbowl News. Um, They had said on Thursday, we are not negotiating on this. We've been very clear on it. Well, you know what? They caved. Who's who's not a leader? Who's a coward, Ilhan Omar? Reports indicated after Wednesday when McCarthy and the House Republicans passed a deal, uh, reports were indicated that, now I'm reading from Breitbart, that the Biden administration was taken by surprise when McCarthy successfully passed the bill. 
they just they yeah they were surprised because you know what this this is the kind of crap and yet even though he's shown that he was a leader even though he's shown that he can get people to coalesce around something he's putting forward and of course i'm with biggs and the, the diehards uh like me that want actual real fiscal sanity not just partway restored uh the reality the democrats is, want yeah well the reality is is that he got he got something you know with steven what steven moore said and I think Elhoff said it as well. It's better than what the Democrats would have done. And progress has to start somewhere. So, yeah, who, who who's the leader? I'll be curious, though, Andrea, what are within those negotiations? Mm-hmm. Of course, but it brought him to the table, didn't it? It brought him to the table, which he refused to do. Who's the coward? Who's not a leader? Who caved? Joe Biden. Well, I guess uh, from what I was reading today, also reports were saying, I guess McCarthy's been trying to work with Biden two months. It's yeah. been radio silence. Absolutely. Because in the game of chicken, they thought that they were, you know, that it was politics as usual with the Republican Party and they would get whatever they want and we would get bupkis. And it didn't work out. They did not think that McCarthy could get the 215 votes or 217 votes that he got. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little 2024. Jen Psaki is warning the Democrats and Joe Biden to not uh, underestimate the power, the charisma that is Donald J. Trump. I agree. A.K. Dynamite in a dress or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her. She's on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. I was all on Instagram watching all, looking at all my food videos and my foot went to sleep on me. Um, there's been this theory from the DeSantis crowd that the reason why uh, the left like Alvin Bragg up in New York and um, the the legacy media, why they're still going after Trump to the extent that they are is because they know that he's the one they can beat. And so they know that if they go after Trump, people will rally behind him, then he'll become the nominee and then they can easily defeat him. A whole lot of twisted circuitry in that logic right um the reality is is they know that i was talking to somebody before the show what is the one thing desantis is lacking in spite of how great he is as a governor the charisma to wow an audience to bring people because you cannot win as a republican candidate no matter who you are if you cannot reach 75 million MAGA voters and you've got to bring democrats and independents you've got to be able to wow an audience you absolutely have to and so I don't believe for a second that Trump is that DeSantis is the one that can beat is the only one that could beat Biden. Trump can't. And in fact, here's Jen Psaki warning Biden and the Democrats about uh, Donald Trump and his charisma that she calls evil. Clip 12. A lot of people, of course, everybody in the country knows Donald Trump. They have a view. It is a little bit remarkable that he has been impeached twice and indicted, and he still has some a, a base of support in the Republican Party. And he does have this 
this version of evil charisma about him. So I think Democrats would be, and and anyone who doesn't like Donald Trump, would be wrong to underestimate him. Um, And that would be the one warning I would make. You know, Ron DeSantis on paper, Governor DeSantis, seems like he'd be a harder candidate. He's younger. He won in Florida. But he hasn't really shown that he has an exact strategy in the primary. So at this point, it's really hard to calculate. um, But I wouldn't underestimate Donald Trump. She's absolutely right. DeSantis has done some good things as governor. That doesn't mean he's going to be able to fill a a stadium of 50,000 people. And when you look at how we have the deck stacked against us in terms of the ground machine, and every minute that DeSantis waits to put his name in, um, and of course the ground machine, yeah, you could say, well, that's what the RNC is supposed to do. No, you've got to have a ground machine for the campaign. You've got to have a ground machine in terms of getting out the vote. You've got to be able to motivate people to get out to vote. I don't think that DeSantis has shown he, he um, has been able to hide the excuse for why DeSantis has not been coming out with a clear plan as to what he would do as president in terms of uh, agenda items. They've been hiding behind the fact that his all of his shills out on uh, the socials have been hiding behind the fact that he's not a candidate yet. Well, well resign. And by the way, how is he supposed to get a machine out there? How is he supposed to get a machine ready to go into D.C. when he's uh, not just campaigning, but he's still trying to govern the state of Florida? There's that going against him as well. If he was really serious, if he was really the if he was really so unbeatable, all of the shills would be telling him, you don't need to have the laws of Florida changed for you uh, that require right well they already changed it but they would have been telling him look you don't need to change the laws that say that you have to resign in order to run go ahead and resign because you're going to win if you throw your hat in the ring but they haven't told him that have they and and this whole thing of being able to you know and and i tell you something else it smacks of is the republican party the establishment for how long did they tell us we've got to have an electable candidate we've got to have an electable candidate and you know what the democrat the republican party's definition or description of somebody electable was a democrat that they were running under the republican ticket mitt romney right George W. Bush campaigned like a conservative, but you look at his record and it's it's, you know, his definite his idea, his compassionate conservatism was liberal. Right. And I I don't believe for a second that the, that the Democrats want Trump on the ticket because they think he can win. Not at all. And I also don't believe that all these lawsuits and the, this thing about uh, going after him is phony with these lawsuits, um, because that will just make him, you know, uh, more likely to get the nomination because they mean it. When they 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 have to, in their minds, they know how charismatic he is. They know that he's right on the issues. They know he can win, and they're trying to use the courts and the criminal code to throw him in jail so that he can't run, let alone um, actually govern. Here's clip three. Listen, it hopefully Jack Smith will get the evidence he needs to indict the right people. And hopefully Merrick Garland will see the wisdom in letting that happen and allow things to play out, right? Even if that happens though, historians will look at Merrick Garland's unwillingness to act in a timely fashion as a massive failure. If, however, we don't succeed in holding those people accountable, 
Uh, and we we are not able to hang on to the American experiment. I think Merrick Garland will go down in history as the person who most failed America. That is the Trump family member nobody cares anything about, Mary Trump. But she means it. She She's articulating that if they don't act, if Merrick Garland doesn't act in a timely fashion, what does that mean? That means arrest him. She doesn't even mention arrest him for, for what? She doesn't even mention a crime that he's committed because the only crime that Donald J. Trump has, has, has committed is that he actually won in 2016 and stopped Hillary Clinton from being in. And even though, and I'm quite aware of the mistakes that he made, I'm quite aware of the things that he wasn't able to get done on his agenda. Um, it, you know, he did more and was the most successful president that we've ever had in my lifetime in many ways. How many promises did he keep over and over again? Yeah. And did do I disagree with him in terms of COVID? Absolutely. I said it day one and I had a whole lot of Trump supporters mad at me, mad at me about it. I think that he needs to be more public about the mistakes that he's made. I need I think he needs to realize that it doesn't weaken him by admitting that he made mistakes and by saying Christopher Ray, I think he should come out and say, not only should I have fired Christopher Ray, if he's still FBI director, when I t- take back the White House, he's gone day one. And I will command my government to investigate any of his efforts of obstruction of justice and to illegally use the FBI to target and surveil innocent American people like parents that that went to school board meetings. I think he needs to say, I'm going to route out. I'm going to drain the swamp. I didn't last time. Because and and he can I mean, how do you think the most effective way for him to say it? I, I didn't last time. There was a lot of forces against me. I've learned. I now know how I can go in day one and what I need to do day one. I trusted people in both parties when they told me they were going to work with me for the good of this country. And the reality is there were a whole lot of um, communist and Marxist and both sides, even people that were my friends or whatever he wants to say, my closest people, and he doesn't have to say who. In my circle and in my cabinet that were working to undermine me from the beginning. And I've learned from it. And I won't let it happen again. Because this is your government, America. And it's going to be returned to you. Give me another chance to make it happen. DeSantis, you know, what has DeSantis said lately that has anything to do with the deep state? Oh, when Alvin Bragg indicted him. He made a joke and made a, made a smarmy crack about, oh, I wouldn't know what it, what it takes to pay off, you know, a porn star. And well, then we always talk about it. he's great at, at, at the woke. He's not great with the deep state. He's not great with the deep, deep state, nor has he said what he would do um, about wokeism as president. It's a different job than being governor. And when it comes to the COVID stuff, the very people that are saying, I can't support Trump again because he caved to Fauci on COVID and the governors, he let the governors shut down their states. Well, Ron DeSantis are the same people that say Ron DeSantis didn't shut down Florida. He left the beaches open. Oh, no, you couldn't go to some beaches in some parts of Florida and you had to wear a mask in others. Well, then they say, well, you know, he you know, he's governor. The counties get to do what they want. Well, that's the same argument for Trump. And nobody knows what DeSantis would have done. If DeSantis had been president in February of 2020, when the head of the CDC and the NIAID and the NIH come into the office and say, if you don't shut down this country for 14 days, 25 million people will die. Here's an interesting question for you. Yes. So I know you're most likely voting for Trump. 
take Trump out of the equation. Would you vote for and you don't have if you don't have an answer, that's great. Would you vote for DeSantis or RFK? I don't know right now. I don't know who I'm voting for. Because one of the things that I always say, I typically, certainly not at this phase, um, I typically need to get into the primaries. I like to see discussion and debate. Right now, I'm leaning Trump. Anything could happen. Anything can happen between now and a year and a half. And I am not sold on DeSantis. I hear some of these RFK Jr. clips about COVID, about the shots. That's why I asked. About the deep state. Uh, about the education system that are so clear, so, you know, he is farther to the right than most of the Republican Party. And it's I would fun- say from the deep state issue issue alone, if that's the only issue, I vote for him over DeSantis. Yeah, it, and it's funny because Charlie Kirk had said today, who is so brilliant, you guys, his show comes on right after mine at 8 o'clock. He, um, I retweeted him today because I loved, and this should not be controversial, every Republican should be agreeing with this. Charlie Kirk said today, there is a new coalition emerging, a great realignment of truth tellers. You might find common cause with a surprising cast of characters. They might be Democrats, RFK Jr., a pro-shroom podcaster, Joe Rogan, British feminist, J.K. Rowling, or even atheist on HBO, Bill Maher. Some of our differences are real, but the other side wants us distracted and divided by them. They are irrelevant. We have common cause against an existential woke enemy, and that's more than enough for now. Amen. Right? I think that Trump should pick RFK Jr. as his running mate. I want to play a clip for you real quick before we go to break, and it's actually the clip of the ABC interview with RFK where they edited out his vaccine comment and see if you can pick up that they actually took it out. Awesome. And then we'll take your calls. We see that the phones are lighting up. You've said in the past that there is a a correlation between uh, vaccines leading to autism that's totally been debunked. Wait a minute, who debunked it? We have not seen any kind of scientific connection from the CDC, the World Health Organization, the National Academy of Sciences. are captive agencies, Lindsay. And so you think they're all in cahoots? Yeah, they're all captive. You've discussed the Kennedy family as like any family. Nice edit. Yeah, totally edited. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. Stay on the line, caller. We're going to take your calls when we return. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Uh, Gordon Lightfoot dies at 84. What were some of his songs? If You Could Read My Mind was one. Did he have the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald? Was that Gordon Lightfoot? Maybe you have to Google that for me. Gordon Lightfoot. That name sounds familiar. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I know who Gordon Lightfoot is. I'm just not completely aware of all of his music. We're going to go to the phones in a minute. I gave Skins a, a task to do to look up Gordon Lightfoot before I could <laughs> ask him bring on our caller. Marcel from Brooklyn is on the line, and he wants to weigh in uh, tonight. Did you have something on Gordon Lightfoot before you uh, bring Sundown, him? the wreck of the, or I'm sorry, uh, I'm not supposed to care. Did she mention my name? She actually, he actually did a song, Don Quixote, too. Sundown, na 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 Feel it like I'm losing again. I that rem- was the first one that jumped out at yeah, me. Yeah, I remember that song. All right. yeah, Rest in peace, Gordon Lightfoot. All right, going to go to the phones. Marcel from Brooklyn's on the line. I think he's called in once before, and we liked him. We thought he was funny. Hey, Marcel. 
Hey, good evening, Andrea and the listeners of The Answer via San Diego. Yes. Good to see you on this first day of Monday, and can you believe it? According to Gallup, as Joe Biden begins his re-election campaign, his job approval rating among the public here in our country has slipped to, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Drum roll, please. Yes. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. 37%. That is the lowest Gallup has measured for him to date. His job approval has been in the low 40% range for most of the past 19 months. Wow. Apart from the current reading and the 38% score last July. So many of them people here, including yours in San Diego, 37%. Wow. Yes, latest approval rating is from April the 3rd through the 25th of this year. Gallup poll, which was completed the day he announced he will seek re-election for next year and marks a three-point dip from March and a five-point drop from February as well. And, of course, this decline has pulled down Biden's job approval average from his recently completed ninth quarter in offense. Oh, an office, which spans 20th day of January to the 19th of April to 39.7, the lowest quarterly average in his presidency. Well, you know why? Why? He's all bubbling and mumbling all over the place. And his age, too. I can't believe this. Well, well, you know, um, he just really didn't do himself any favors in Ireland. That was humiliating. Uh, Today, he humiliated himself. He can't even pronounce Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, you know, it's like, why? Why? If you know you could, if you know you're struggling, you don't try to you don't try to name a name like that. Right. You just you talk about Joe Smith. Right. Uh, But my question, my question, Marcel, is who is the 37 percent who actually thinks he's doing a good job? We've got one minute left. So we'll give you 15 seconds to wrap up before we have to say goodbye absolutely and of course only reagan in early 1983 had a lower ninth quarter average among elected post-world war ii presidents his lowest ratings came during a period when the unemployment rate exceeded 10 percent after the 81 82 economic recession while carter and trump had slightly better approval ratings than him and reagan both were just above 40 percent so four presidents including george hw bush Dwight Eisenhower, John Kennedy, and George W. Bush averaged better than 60% approval during their ninth quarters in office. Oh, Marcel, we love your... Marcel's our boots on the ground with polling numbers. We need to have him be a regular so he can call in and give us the updates, give us the scoop. Marcel, you need to call in once a week with your poll reports. Absolutely. It's my reports from Gallup. And I will put that on my Twitter handle at ammyra 29 Make sure everyone can follow me as well. Very good, Marcel. Thank you so much. Thanks to the listeners tonight. Thanks to Brian Maloney for being on here. Thank you, Skins. We'll see you tomorrow for Taco Tuesday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.